Okay. So today is the 22nd of June. Hello, everyone. My name is Spencer Michaud, and I am joined today with my good friends, C.V. Henriette and Claire Moon, Dr. Claire Moon <laughs> uh, of Aligning Light Astrology and C.V. Henriette of Art of the Zodiac. And we're going to be talking full moon in Capricorn today. So I wanted to see if anyone is out there in digital land if you are out there in digital land please tell us where you are coming in from today and um let us know how your your moon experience is going i'm very curious to see uh how you're all doing we're going to break down some of the the details of the full moon today we're going to discuss some of the cancer capricorn challenges um, and then we're going to do an, an I Ching reading um, after we go through the full moon, the last quarter square, and the, the upcoming new moon in Cancer. We'll touch on those things briefly. But those of you out there in virtual land, um, please welcome a new guest. We've had CV. CV, uh, I'm always happy to, to talk with you here and um, hope that you are doing well. And Claire... Tell us more about yourself. You're, you're new to the, uh, to the game here. Yeah, thanks. I am new. I'm a late bloomer. So I did a different career first. I'm a pharmacist. And then I got lost and found my way to, to astrology. Um, been doing that for about five years, but I've only been practicing for about a year now. Um, so I just started my own <clears throat> consulting practice about a year ago. Nice. And I just saw that you were a guest on Chris Brennan's Astrology Podcast. What were you discussing with Mr. Brennan? <laughs> yeah, the, pretty much that journey of going from being just kind of a, a lay person to a professional astrologer and the steps that I took and kind of the things that I ran into along that path. Nice. And you are were a student of his programs as well, correct? That is correct. Yeah, I finished his Hellenistic certification course and then... Um, did the professional course, which was super helpful. That's part of what helped me do that change of career. Um, granted, I'm still a pharmacist. I'm sure I will still pharmacist, but um, yeah, so I've done his coursework and it's been great. Um, yeah, I have a lot of, a few teachers. Like I feel like I have my little pharmacy village that helps me, but. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Multi-talented. Yeah. I feel like I'm channeling uh, Mr. Mr. Chris Brennan today. Uh, <laughs> we haven't seen it. Nobody's commented on it yet, but um, recently I have to tell this story before we get started here. Uh, my daughter offered to trim my hair because I hadn't had a haircut since the pandemic started um, and um, it was getting really long and she sort of oversold her skill set a little bit and hacked quite a bit of it off in weird spots and um, I got frustrated because I have Mars uh, in my first house right now. And I just, just like, rrr, rrr, like, just like buzz the whole thing. But it's nice. It feels like a, a, a energetic reset. And um, my daughter made this, made me this really nice uh, card about a female lion for Father's Day. So it was very sweet. And uh, she had little facts about the lion and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, uh, that's what's going on. Nothing else besides that. CV, how are you doing? I'm well. Um, I just can we I'm, can we see that card again? That's so cute. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> so this is the the Sorry. lady the lady lion. <laughs> like, <laughs> an audit. Um, 
it says big leo energy badass uh high up on her rock surveying her queendom very high rock impressive <laughs> she says do you want me to read it to you real quick is this is this adorable enough for <laughs> yeah, the audience out there? yes so cute um okay so i'm just <laughs> making sure that we are all right there we go okay so it says papa lady lions don't have manes they still look pretty freaking cool though female lions are the primary hunters of the pride although they are not necessarily as fast as the males they are far more tactful and agile than their male counterparts. They may not be as flashy, but they are much more skilled at hunting and providing for the pride. Embrace your inner lady lion. Uh, you kind of have to. <laughs> Sorry about your Leo maid again. You're a really good dad, and I've been reading a lot of books lately where the main characters are parents, and that, that whole parenting thing seems really hard. So major props to you for being a pretty darn for being pretty darn good at it love you a whole lot happy father's day so that'll warm warm our hearts a little bit <laughs> that is so sweet so flipping sweet i can't right? so i was like oh you don't have a choice <laughs> like, i was like, so no. confused i was like why is the lady lion it's so good i'm crying yeah it was it was great like she um yeah she felt really bad because i was i was a little it was a little shocking at first. Uranus was going over my ascend, uh, my midheaven. Yeah. And, um, you know, Mars was in the first opposite Saturn. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and, uh, but, it, but it, you know, I've, I've, I'm leaning into it. I, I've been, I've got these beautiful, like, heart sunglasses. So, like, I can see the world through these rose colored glasses now. The brights get a little, <laughs> lights get a little too bright. <laughs> you got to lean into it, right? Um, that's great. But yeah, I think that I think my thoughts on that as far as is just wrapping it up with parenting is, you know, sometimes that's parenting in a nutshell, right? You kind of you're going to have some things where you have situations where you run into challenges and and um, you kind of have to make the best of it. And it's a humbling experience, right? It's like, a you know, I'm going into two Saturn perfection years and this is sort of what Saturn looks like. Uh, on the surface rather than that big Leo main. And um, I think that, you know, yeah, that's, it's, it's a journey. It's always a journey. <laughs> it's always a journey. Hey, Deborah's here. Hello. Hello, Deborah. Deborah says beautiful tearing up. I'm glad that we can bring some, some laughter and some joy out to the world there today. And I'm glad that people are seeing the live stream because I was wondering, it was a little quiet. <laughs> <for a minute. laughs> um, okay. So that was Father's Day. I hope that you all had a good a good holiday there. Um, you know, for whatever figures you have in your life that have had guidance for you. Um, I know that we don't all have like the same situation with parental figures and things like that. I know it can be a hard day for some people. So, you know, whatever, however you're tapping into that energy, um, I hope that you had a good one. So what do you think? Full moon, Capricorn. Uh, how is that treating all of you? Claire, what do you think? Well, I've certainly been feeling the Venus Pluto situation. I will say that, uh, and this will be in my, my sixth and 12th. So as far as I go, I just need to rest. That's what I need to do. I know it's like more activity, but like, yeah, I'm just going to chill. I'm actually just going to sit this one out probably in my like personal life. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think this is some Venus Pluto energy here too with the the main getting chopped 
Um, funnily enough, I had Venus square my natal Pluto during during this uh, haircut type of thing. CV, how are you holding up? This week feels much better than I feel like when Mars first went in. So wait, Claire, are you a Leo rising too? Do you mind, can I I'm Aquarius you? rising, so everything's opposite oh, for me. <laughs> cool, that's fun. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when Mars, when Leo rising, went to my first house, I felt like my whole chart was on fire, right? Like everything, like I was being pulled at the seams. And um, I don't know, like, ooh, whose background is that? Yeah, so, that's mine. I'm oh, gonna good. put myself on mute. You know, okay. I'm like, I have way ADD. Um, anyway, I don't know. Like, I feel like something yesterday, maybe it's Mercury slowing down, but I feel like um, soup or just sun going into my 12th house, just feeling super like, mm, like tired. <laughs> kind of dreamy. I spent like hours trying to write on the sign of cancer, which I did today, which turned into a series of poems, poem-like things. Anyway, that's me. Yeah, I'm feeling that with the sun moving into the 12th, just like wanting a, a vacation or a break or something of that nature. <laughs> um, and it's weird too, is Mercury is stationing uh, direct today. So we're getting a Mercury that's slowing down ready to shift directions and maybe bring us some new messages as well. Um, we've got a couple more people stopping by in the chat here. Jules the Fly says, the sunglasses are extra great. Well, thank you, Jules. I appreciate <laughs> the kind words. Tarya is here from Finland uh, and says, hi, what a parenting story. Um, and Tarya and Tanya are, are both here. Tanya is here from inside my house. Um, she, she was my partner stopping in today, adding to the conversation. <laughs> so that is fun too. I'm always happy to have her support uh, when we're doing these things. <clears throat> I've had to catch myself recently that I don't say anything too personal or that we don't get like too feisty in the chat box about like anything that's going on in the household. <laughs> so, um, okay, so. Thank you all for stopping by here today. I'm, I'm happy to hear that the two of you are finding um, your own way to, to, to manifest this energy. Um, so just Claire, just to give our, our audience some context, what are, what are your big, big three here, your sun, moon, rising? Oh, sure. Yeah, so I'm an Aquarius rising, Capricorn sun, Pisces moon. Uh, and most of my planets are just on like the upper left quadrant. They're all shoved up there. So you're in the 12th house sun club um, with me. Yes. Yep. 12th house yeah. luminary club. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 12th house unite. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So we are going to kind of uh, break down a few of the technical things with this moon. And then we'll like reflect on it together as a group and see um, if we can also get some feedback from the audience as well. So a few things I wanted to go through right away before we kind of, uh, you know, talk to the audience a little more is I'm going to share my screen and I wanted to show you the, the chart of this moon here. Okay. So we are looking at June 24th, 2021 at 2.39 PM Eastern daylight time. So make the appropriate adjustment for your specific time zone. Okay. Um, we have the sun in the first decan of cancer, and I wanted to go through a little bit of a list for you for some things that we could break down. So first of all, the sun is peregrine in cancer, which is a, a, a term that means it's a wanderer. It doesn't have any essential dignity. So the sun's kind of 
you know, floating out there without necessarily any specific helpers. Um, so that's something to keep in mind when we're moving through Cancer Sun. Now, there are some uh, authors in the traditional um, zeitgeist that talk about per perhaps the sun being a co-ruler of Cancer and Leo together, which is really interesting. I saw Alan White talk about this and something I'm curious to explore in the future. Um, but the sun's going to be hosted by this, this moon in Capricorn. And the moon is going to be in a condition called exile. Uh, so it is, it is in a place that is somewhat uncomfortable. It is the house of Saturn. It does have some dignity by being the triplicity ruler of the earth signs by night. And it's hosted by Saturn, which is an aversion to it. It's not able to witness its, its house at this moment. Um, as far as tarot cards, and I wanted to get all of your feedback on this. We have the... Uh, the two tarot cards we're going to be dealing with here are the Two of Cups and the Two of Pentacles. Uh, and before we get to that, actually, sorry, I'm trying to just think about what the best order to do everything in, is the other planets that are making aspects to this lunation are Jupiter that is in a pretty tight sextile with the moon, which is very helpful, I think. Um, and then we do have Uranus aspecting and, and Neptune. But as far as other traditional planets, all the other traditional planets are not witnessing. So I really feel like this moon in general has quite a big Jupiter flavor with Jupiter being sextiled. Um, and Venus is, I'm sorry, Venus is co-present with the sun. So we have Ve both benefics are, are present, even though we have the moon in a Saturn ruled sign. So any thoughts on that uh, right off the bat? And, and Maybe you can go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, immediately what it makes me feel like is I just have this sort of vision of um, like being kind of in like a lost place, like imagining something wandering, but having these sort of like secret helpers. Like there's something about this that might not be as painful as it could, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely going to be some some uncomfortable feelings, but there's something that's going to be bringing us out of the, out of that, some blessing, I guess, is what I'm feeling like. What do you think, Claire? Yeah, I, I always look to the ruler of the, the moon, and in this case, that would be Saturn um, in aversion. So it can't really, like you were saying before, it's not witnessing the situation. But certainly, I just feel like there is kind of a distracted piece from it a little bit then. Um, and just the moon being in Capricorn and co-present with Pluto, it's kind of like, you know, you want to get comfortable, but it's, it's not easy to find comfort. I'm not really sure how Jupiter is going to manifest in helping with that. Um, but certainly if we try to be comfortable, it may take a little bit more effort perhaps. Yeah. It's a separating sextile from Jupiter. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it would be, it would be better if it was applying, but at least it's like in the mix, I think. I, you know, one thing that's just sticking out to me is this this Venus-Pluto opposition is we're just going to be coming off a separation with that. Um, and I think that is going to play quite a role in the, in the lunation itself as well. H have any of you had a Venus-Neptune moment that's moved into a Venus-Pluto moment over the course of the week yet? Because uh, I was listening to... Um, my astrology teacher, Tutababa, talk about his, his uh, he had like a, a story about 
going to a massage parlor and not getting what he expected. Um, he was going for a massage and it wasn't that kind of place. Um, so uh, I want, and there was, this aspect was present when um, he, he, that was happening in his life. And it was kind of like this, you know, thinking that you're having one type of beautiful experience and it turning into something that may be a little bit more challenging. And I wonder if that's manifested for anyone yet. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I personally was having some nostalgia this week that I was like, I, I like intellectually knew I was looking through rose colored glasses or on the contrary, just being like overly negative about it. Like, I feel like the perceptions were just distorted. Like I see like just the words like diluted kind of or distorted come up for me when we're dealing with more diluted with Neptune. Your expectations are probably way off than what reality you know, is going to dictate. Um, yeah. And then Pluto just distorting things in general. Totally. Mm-hmm. CV, anything come up for you? Um, it's interesting. I like the, that you brought up nostalgia because I've been feeling a lot of that like this week and maybe it's because I was writing about cancer and sort of this idea of nostalgia, but yeah. Um, I think I don't know, maybe what I was describing earlier, am I suddenly like waking up in a fog? Um, is the Neptune aspect? Totally. Yeah, I always describe Neptune as like, just, I feel like it just drains the life out of me. Like I, I know that people are like, oh, it's there's a beautiful uh, moment happening. And I will say that on Father's Day, I took a nice walk near uh, a river and there were a number of swans on the river. It was very kind of a Venus-Neptune type of like, you know, beautiful oasis type of thing, very watery on that level. I did want to kind of talk about the the Cancer Sun a little bit too, because CV and I were talking about this last week, and we started touching on some really interesting esoteric meanings of of Cancer in general. And we're looking at this first decan of Cancer, which we can see as associated with the Two of Cups, and this is really like a a union house. This is a gateway of life. They thought of the cancer as a gateway of life and Capricorn as a gateway of death where energy was leaving, where souls would enter and souls would leave at these particular gateways. And I know it's cliche to, to say like, oh, it's a portal or something, but like I, I, I dislike hearing that. But at the same time, there are certain times when, well, maybe there are energies that are coming in and going out. We see that with eclipse periods. And we recently had a series of eclipses where, you know, everything was getting shaken up and we're sort of in this new chapter now. And one of the things that CB and I started touching on was this, I like the nostalgia thing that both of you are talking about, is this longing for a return to what, what Liz Green calls the Ouroboric womb. And I thought that was such an interesting term, right? It's just so like, oh, that's a good one. Or, the Ouroboric womb. So, so, and we're, we're talking about this in terms of the, our country too, like America, right? America being a cancer, cancer sun and this desire to go back to some kind of time that may never have existed. And perhaps it's a longing for eternity, right? That we'll never be able to attain, but at least not on this physical plane. And I wonder if, if, uh, if any of you out there in the audience or, or you and Claire or CV, feel that with cancer that automatically we get thrust into this like longing for something that may or may not have been type of experience. CV, what do you think? 
well, I I've been thinking about a lot about this recently and we had this conversation and, and something really special. I feel like cancer, right? It can be, it can kind of carry you into that like heavy nostalgia. And I think, I don't know, when I think of nostalgia, I think of a longing of maybe like remembering things through rose colored glasses, like yearning for something that was. But then I was also thinking of people who are cancers. And I don't know why I spent so much med time meditating on Jack White. I think he's such a great example. But I was thinking that like, one of the beautiful sort of manifestations of cancer that I certainly never spoke of before is this sort of ability to bring the past into the present, right? In a way where it's not like sacrificing the other, like that equilibrium moment, right? So to like create a record pressing plant because you want the sound now, but you want to create, bring something back from the past. Um, yeah. So that's just something I've been meditating on, that ability to bring the past into the present as opposed to a nostalgia, a yearning for the past. Totally, totally. Mm -hmm. Claire, yeah, I like that. That's like, I feel like that's a coin with two sides, you know, like mm -hmm. nostalgia can be, it can be comforting. It can be really nice. We can bring, you know, things from the past to the future that we should yeah. um, versus like, you know, something that might be a little darker where it's like, you're longing for something that really, especially with like the Pluto Venus dynamic here. And I can't remember who said it, but I read it in a book by Joseph Goldstein. Um, something about releasing corpses of past experiences. And I was like, dang, I should do that. <laughs> um, but I definitely like that kind of nostalgia where it's like, okay, that, that needs to stay back there. Um, and I mean, that's one of the things with cancer. It's so associated with memory. Um, but yeah, I think there is something there can be really beautiful about nostalgia too, where, I mean, you just think about like ancestry, for instance, and how it's like the foundation of your whole family kind of concept um, and in like a nourishing um, growthy way, you know, not to be like trope, but um, yeah, and that can be really beautiful. So. Yeah, I like that word nourishing. That That's something that came up a lot in my research with Austin Kopic's take on the Deccans. So he talks about this first decan of cancer, he, he calls it a mother and child. And a lot of themes of nurturing come up in that. And one word that really stuck out with me that is takes it almost a step further is he mentioned reciprocity. And I always like to, to get like the definitions of these. It says the process of exchange in order to gain mutual benefit. And I think that that really resonated with me with the Cancerian type of vibe. And he goes on to mention that it's not just nurturing and providing like from mother to child. The mother also, like the moon that goes through phases, consumes things. Because when we're talking about cancer, this is the house of the moon. And the moon, it, it waxes and then it wanes. And it is bringing things into form, but also taking them out of form, right? Returning them to the earth as well. And this kind of push and pull between what feeds us and what, what we're going to transform into energy that we then can provide nurturing for others. Um, my experience yesterday, I don't know if you all saw my Instagram stories, but <laughs> this, I went on a walk yesterday and there was this little baby skunk that was walking around. It was very cute. And, uh, but it was like hobbling around and, um, there's these two dogs that came around the corner that were barking. I was like, oh no, baby skunk. Like, <laughs> don't, don't get eaten, baby skunk. And it's kind of this interplay of like, 
um, new life and like the maybe protecting it from danger on some level. And also, what are we what are we going to take in to our bodies that is going to get transformed in the things that we can use then to provide for others? Um, and I think that there's might be just some real challenges with that, with the moon being in Capricorn in particular, and that Venus Pluto opposition kind of reflecting that journey. I always think of that journey of Inanna and Ereshkigal. Are you all familiar with that story? Um, so Inanna goes into the underworld. Uh, to have a, an audience with her, um, with her sister, Ereshkigal, sort of like Pluto. And she goes through these gates and is stripped of everything. And then eventually is like hung on a meat hook by Ereshkigal. It's a really gruesome story. But, but then uh, is rescued and is reborn. And it, I really feel like there's a releasing of, like you said, the, maybe the old traumas the old uh, challenges. Um, I've been feeling that really heavily through this lunation cycle. This this uh, shaving of the head, I think, was a a metaphor or a, a symbolic gesture as well for like releasing all of the really difficult emotions that I had been feeling over the pandemic in the last fourteen months or however long it's been. Um, it's been real. It's been real a real challenge for me to re rejoin society. To be one hundred percent honest, I've been really, really uncomfortable, and I wonder if you all are feeling that, and if, if how you've been working through that that purge, I guess that release of the last however many months we've been going through this as a collective. Um, I I feel like. I haven't probably, I've probably been dealing with it very slowly and it's probably going to be like a year from now and I'm going to still be <laughs> um, dealing with it. But I too have been struggling quite a bit because um, I am an introvert, uh, 12th house luminary club. But I just, yeah, I really, I've been uh, like social anxiety was kind of under control because I was used to it. But after a year of not being around people as much, it's, you know, going back is not, it's not a joke for some of us. Like, don't make me. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, CV? How's it been for you? It's been like, um, so this morning, in, so Spencer and I, we're both in Michigan. And today is the first day that officially you don't have to wear a mask places. Oh, wow. So wow. I, um, I woke wow. up at, you know, I go to a 6am like Pilates class and I went running in the studio late for class and I realized I had my mask on me and the teacher's like, no, you, you don't need it. And I'm like, are you, are you sure? Like, yeah. You can do it, with it, was so, it was like the first class ever without a mask. And it was so strange. And then like, after I just noticed I'm not as, ner I mean, I'm not as worried about, um, getting sick and, um, but, um, you know, so after that, I went to get a coffee and I, I go in and again, I'm like the first person there and it feels weird. I'm like, I, no mask. Like it's just this, it was just this awkward. It's interesting thing too, that Mercury is stationing direct today. Right. Cause it just was this, yeah. this weird awkwardness in communication because I'm like being like, can, you know, is it okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, don't wear a mask. I'm like, but are you okay? So I'm like trying to make sure she's okay because I don't want to offend other people and I want them to make feel safe because I don't know what's going on. And it was just this whole awkward debacle. And, and that, you know, all happened before 8 a.m. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I totally feel that. Two hours into it. That's for totally real. feel it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still working through it, right? I, I, I may go for a walk with 
a friend for the first time outdoors, uh, you know, in, in that many months. I mean, we've been really just sheltering in place and, and kind of doing all of that kind of thing. Um, but I think that it is going to take time. And I, I, I think that for my part, I don't think that we all have to completely just rush into it and like say all bets are off. I think that if you feel uncomfortable with these types of things and you've had trauma, you work through it one little step at a time and it doesn't have to be an all or nothing type of thing. Cause I can, I, I'm with you, Clara, as far as the 12th house, a little bit of social anxiety, just in general. And then having to go from, from, you know, feeling that, you know, sense of, well, the danger is actually real, you know, <laughs> to like, Oh wow. Is it in my head or is it, is it actually a real risk that we're taking? Right. That's, that is a tough, um, navigational type of thing to, to go through. So I'm seeing some comments here. I'm going to kind of check in in the chat box. Jules the fly says, Claire, I am happy to know that there are more scientist astrologers out there. Heard the astrology podcast can so relate. I have to be careful in the scientific community as well. Okay. So there's some nice feedback, Claire. Yeah. Thank you. They also, also sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're all trying to make our way here, aren't we? Um, Jules also says, I'm from Germany, and here any type of non-scientific belief is, the, is kind of frowned upon anyways, especially in academia. Yeah, can you talk about that a little bit, Claire, and how you've worked through that and, and gotten over some of the, the hump with the, you know, being part of these two worlds type of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would love to. It has been kind of the crux of the journey is, is just wrapping my head around that kind of change um, and really opening my mind. Uh, because before when I was, you know, just strictly science-based material world, and I, when I say materialistic, I don't mean it in like a pejorative sense. I mean it in like the material world, like earth. Um, I used to be just solely in that world. And then letting kind of the spiritual world into my life was probably the bigger change. That was the umbrella under which astrology kind of came in. Um, so there were other changes. It wasn't just kind of like this one little blip of astrology coming into my science life. It was like a lot of shifts in my entire worldview and being like, you know, suspending my disbelief, um, not being arrogant, uh, being, I, I always, I say this like everywhere, but I'm just in love with the phrase right now. It's from Dr. Becca Tarnas. I think that's her name, mm -hmm. um, Dr. Tarnas. And she talks about um, epistemological humility and being humble about what you know or don't know. And I had not had very much. <laughs> and, you know, I think some of us struggle with that a little bit. Um, but certainly when astrology came in and I had let it and I explored it more and found out I was wrong and found out, you know, why Ophiuchus isn't the 13th sign and all these things where there's like literally a one sentence answer I could have just looked up, but I was too, you know, dismissive. Um, so yeah, th that was a lot of change, but as far as like how I handled it and how I dealt with it, um, it was like several years of cognitive dissonance and wondering if these were things that I had to resolve or not. And then eventually I think I just kind of came to the conclusion that I don't need to resolve it. It's not my responsibility to resolve these kind of duality situations. Um, it's arrogant of me to think that I can, right? Uh, you know, the world is big and I don't know a lot. So as far as like holding space in my life for both a materialistic, scientific, modern, contemporary worldview, and then still holding space to use the other metaphysical modalities of, of whatever we're using them for. Um, I just, I just, it's as simple as that. I just hold space. I've just made more space for it. And 
I do keep them pretty, pretty compartmentalized though, at this point in my journey. Um, I'm not, I really don't try to superimpose um, scientific theory onto metaphysics and I don't try to do it the other way either. I, you know, as much as I don't believe in non-overlapping magisteria, like I, there probably is a Venn diagram or something of all of this, but um, in my personal practice, in practical terms and daily life, they're separate. So that's kind of how I've ended up, but, you know, ask me again in 10 years and it'll be different. Yeah. I, I feel you on the um, humility part of it. Yeah. I and I think that you go through those cycles, even just when you're studying astrology. Like I, I, I feel like um, I have a lot of mercury energy in my chart with a lot of planets ruled by mercury, mercury ruled signs. And um it's always when a question gets answered, there's 10 more that, that come up. Right. And it's like, you, you're, you're instructed on what you don't know. <laughs> and I think that that 12th house sun energy too, is like where the universe is constantly like, Oh, you thought you knew this. Well, here's this super humbling experience. Uh -huh. you know? <laughs> like It's like, Oh, you're like, feel a little high on your on your horse a little bit. Okay, not today. Not today. Not today. <laughs> of course, CB doesn't have to deal with that. She has exalted sun in the ninth house, but uh, I have yeah, but I have Mercury and Pisces, so it's like I'm always kind of underwater. Mm, my yeah. partner has that. <laughs> you feel that, like, and he's a technical writer, if you can believe it. Yeah, I'm a writer too, not a technical writer. Um, if I wonder, I'm curious to know, does he write slow or fast? I oh, was slow. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I always want to, like, I just, tiny. I write tiny. Yeah. Um, a little digression, but like, I feel like it's totally just the expansiveness of Pisces and like everything is important. And like to pick what is, gets to go through is like really hard. Oh, okay. I feel that so hard. Sorry. I was like, I was writing all day today and I like have to set timers and go slow. And I like worry over commas. You wouldn't think so, right? It feels very Virgo, right? Like I worry over commas and words and okay. So anyway, thank you for that digression. My heart will let you know. Such an honor to sit with both of you. Yeah. And you know that 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 uh Mercury and Pisces too, I think it it just is doing things in a way that is trying to unify all the parts of the whole, right? Where it, it instead of you know, Mercury is really good at separating things out into categories and saying, okay, this belongs here in this space. And Jupiter, one of Jupiter's actions is to bring order to, you know, that was what, what, what Zeus was, was doing in the myth was trying to bring order to the universe. So when you have a planet whose function is to create differentiations yeah. and it's only being fed, you know, the <laughs> elements, the clay of yeah. order and unity, that's like, oh, it's a little bit like, you're going to have to do things in a slightly unorthodox type of way. This is something Sam Reynolds has been bringing up that I really uh, like and agree with is that it's not that the planet can't be completely dysfunctional. It's just that it's going to have to do it in a way that is not, um, you know, the social norm on some level. So mm -hmm. you have to kind of like, you know, put things in place to, to make sure that you're able to get what you need to get done. Okay, a couple more comments here. Top Notch Vintage is here, CV, from Instagram. Uh, Leanbach for three caps seems healing. 
I'm, I'm not sure what Leanbach is top notch. Do you know what Leanbach is, CV? No. Okay, well, we'll have to get clarification there. The outstanding feature is recuperation from illness or attack with a fantastic ability to recover from illness or to pick himself up after being told off or put down. Okay, I have some thoughts on that. I'll come back to that in a second. Um, Top Notch also says, your comment mirrors my post today, CV, great minds. Tanya says, feeding the ancestors is a huge part of my spiritual practice as we nourish the past. It lends us its power in the present moment. And she says, team social anxiety, hashtag <laughs> social anxiety. Also 12th house son, Tanya is. Okay. Um, that yeah, we're, we're in 12th house son land. Just like, should we go? Should we go? Is it safe? Or, I don't know. Maybe we should just stay home. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and then Jules, Jules says, do you also have the urge sometimes to do astrology scientifically? I can't completely shake the urge. I'm going yes. to pass that to you, Claire, real quick. So what do you think the scientists doing astrology? Um, I think that, I mean, yeah, like I totally, I have a whole spreadsheet full of like research questions that I have, but the thing is, is I haven't like gone through them to see if they're even good questions. They might be stupid questions. Um, and the other thing too, is like being, I have a, I've actually done independent research. Like I've been taught how to do all of these things and it did take quite a bit of teaching. So, I mean, I would just, I, what I would say is I don't think there's anything wrong with running the astrological lens also alongside like through like you're looking through an astrological lens and a scientific one at the same time. Um, sure, like do whatever you want. That's fine. Um, but, you know, there's certainly plenty of people who are very much more prioritizing um, like more of the spiritual sacred divination space that astrology creates, which I mean, I, I just think we can hold space for all of it. We can hold space for that kind of prioritization or like, you know, uh, we have like, what is it? The NCGR, ISAR, they are more organizations leaning toward research type ideas. Um, yeah, we can do all of it, but just know how to do your research. That's all. Like just know how to be critical, know how to use that scientific lens. Cause if you don't know how to use that lens, it doesn't matter how good of an astrologer you are. Your, your research is not going to turn out well. And we've seen that because there's been studies done in the past. Um, I know, don't remember what any of them are, but I feel like there was a French one about Mars or something and athletes. Yeah, and Gold, you look at the, Gold, the Gold cooking. What was that? What was it? Oh yeah. Well, uh, Gocklin? No. Gocklin? Yeah, Gocklin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, and it's like, if your study methods aren't good, it's garbage in, garbage out. And then once you get your results, if your statistical methodology isn't good, like if you don't have an sample size of above 50 above 75 I like to cap I like to, to go no lower than 100 you know if your your sample size of a study is lower than that the statistical methodology to see if it's even statistically significant it breaks down and the math doesn't work anymore so if you don't know these things you're kind of starting off with with a non-starter so as long as you know how to do the research part like go for it would love to see what you find out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, CV and I have talked about this in the past in reference to uh, a book called The Moment of Astrology by yeah. Jeffrey Cornelius. And one of his arguments was looking at these scientific studies with astrology and saying exactly what, confirming just what you said, that there is there's a different, you definitely have to have, um, 
your methodology on lockdown and consistency with it. And that's very difficult to do, especially because different astrologers use different methodology to look at the same thing. That's number one. Number two is that there is, he, he talks, he leans more into that div divinatory way of astrology being practiced where there is the astrologer, there's the chart, and then there's, well, and then there's the client. So we have these three things. And then we have this fourth thing that's really created that is the oracular space that is created by the interaction between all, all of them together. And that's really difficult to reproduce uh, consistently from one moment to the next because it's, it's unique to each individual. I, I think of like, we'll go down a rabbit hole here, but I think of like quantum physics on some level, if you're familiar like with some of that where some of the experience where an atom would snap in and out of existence based on a, a, a particle and a wave, right? Where you had a wave of possibilities, but something would snap into existence into a particle form because of the experimenter's attention to that particular thing. And that's always been uh, fascinating to me as far as how astrology works is some of these things snap into existence because we're looking at it. When, when I do a chart, I ask somebody a question. I'm not just going to look at a chart and say, just tell me what you think. <laughs> like You have to ask them a question like, what do you want to know? Because the chart is going to be able to tell you a million different things. And you have to kind of know what you're specifically looking for, I think, on some level. So I think that's a really interesting way to think about that, too. Mm -hmm. I like that metaphor. Um, I'm seeing Top Notch says... Hold on a second. We see Tapnatch says Esther V. Linebox degrees of the zodiac as a clarification for the earlier comment about three Capricorn seems. And I want to I want to touch on this um, Tapnatch because I have some information for you that really um, really echoes that. That's going to be a great lead into talking about the moon. So three Cap seems healing. The outstanding feature is recuperation from illness or attack with a fantastic ability to recover from illness. Here's something fascinating about that Tapnatch vintage. The daimon of the first decan of Capricorn is a deity named Asclepius, who was the healer. And this is, this is a perfect uh, metaphor for kind of what we may be trying to accomplish through this first decan of Capricorn. What we're looking at here is the, the two of pentacles. And there's two themes that I wanted to touch on with this and, uh, and open it up for discussion. So with the moon's condition we have it in exile and it does have triplicity dignity which is sort of like maybe the the support of your guild or your community um but this one is called harmonious change or change in book t in the book of toth austin Coppock calls it a headless body which is interesting um and he's really talking about uh trying to figure out through this card the advantages and disadvantages of a physical space so in Capricorn, he, he talks about really getting into the body. I think both camp, Cancer and Capricorn are body-related on some level. Like with Cancer, we're infusing spirit into a body. Like if we looked at the Thema Mundi, right, the, the metaphorical natal chart of the world, we have Cancer on the Ascendant. And this is where, where the, the spirit, the, the pneuma is fused with a physical body. We have the Cancer associated with the moon in the body. And then Capricorn on the descendant, maybe there's something leaving. There's a separation. 
but he talks a lot about this earthy Saturnian experience about the genius loci. This is something I wanted to touch on, the gen genius loci, the protective spirit of a place. And the juggling that he talks about in this card is the pros and cons of a physical space. Like, where are you going to plant your seeds? Where are you going to, for this particular lunation, where are you going to build your nest, right? If we have all these little babies around, where, where are you going to put down roots, build your nest and see what the advantages and disadvantages are of these different locations? Um, and, and potentially having to juggle domestic versus professional responsibilities as well. I think that there is, you know, we're trying to create security on some level, but I think it's, um, it goes, it's gone about in a different way. So I wanted to open up your, all of your thoughts on that with uh, this first deck in Capricorn moon um, and thinking about that tension that we feel between nurturing and maybe where we want to build our nest and how we want to create the material structures and the material security versus the emotional security. And I, I think that we've got a nice guest today because Claire, you're a Capricorn son. I'm a Cancer son. I'm sure that we approach this on a similar level. And and CV, you're like kind of in the, you know, you're you're going to be our, our good reference for the first quarter moon, which is in Aries. So you'll be able to tell us all about creating the sovereignty that we need to create as as individuals. But I'm going to open this up. I'm going to throw this to Claire first. As far as like, do you feel? First of all, do you feel like that tension between creating domestic and and external security? And do you agree with that? I guess first of all. Yeah, I agree with everything you, that you've said so far about it. Um, I feel like they're both connected through like the, this cord of nourishing waters and cancer just kind of likes to more stay in those and grow and do that abundance thing and Capricorn. And this is based more off of like Jason Holly's myth work, which is mm -hmm. incredible. If anyone has not gotten on that um, Capricorn being more like, okay, we can build, but we're going to build up out into the world. Um, but there's still ideally connected and balanced and you know the goat doesn't go too far away um, from the nourishment and cancer doesn't you know cloister itself away in protectiveness forever um, so that's kind of how I approach it personally in my own chart um, especially being it's on my 6th 12th axes it is a lot of times like all right you're working too much you're not resting enough you need to pay attention to your brain um, the domestic work thing I feel like I don't know that's always just been a thing for me um I don't have any planets in Cancer that I'm aware of, um, except for I think Lilith is in there, but I don't know what she does. Uh, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> but I yeah, I guess much is, for me on that, I don't know much about. But I know a little bit about the asteroids, but yeah, it's certainly about balancing like the um, the outer and the inner worlds for sure, and making sure that I'm not burning myself out. That's kind of how I approach it. And as far as like this full moon in particular, um, you know, this idea of, and with Pluto being co-present and Venus being co-present, uh, looking at where we're putting our abundance. Are we sharing our abundance with people? Are we sharing it with the right people, not being manipulated out of our resources? If we're going to be picking our nesting site, um, you know, is it the place where we want to put all of that growthy cancer stuff we just did uh, and being really discerning about that? But yeah, I didn't realize all three of us have like the cardinal cross, like we got that cardinal energy. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. CV's got the Aries sun. Yeah, this is a cardinal, definitely a cardinal show. But we all have fixed risings, though, too. So we're trying to balance all that out. <laughs> I know the fixed risings are getting getting rocked right now. So if you have one either, out of five stars, don't yeah. recommend. Yeah, if you have Leo, Aquarius, Scorpio, or Taurus rising, you're feeling the full force of Mars opposite Saturn squared Uranus right now, which is not a super. From my experience, it's not not super fun. Um, you might end up without your full head of hair one day and you might end up getting severely humbled uh, in a lot of situations that you may not have a lot of control over. I think that's something that I, I was had a, a professional situation where there was a, where there was some things I didn't have control over and a lot of frustration was starting to bubble over. And I think that this was a manifestation of that too. It was like, I need to have control of something. And if it's just my own body, if it's just my own space, uh, I think that that could be something people could be feeling right now too, is there might be a situation that is out of your hands and you have to kind of bring that energy back into the, into the body, into an, the internal circumstance so that you can deal with things you can control. I wanted to touch on the, the Asclepius uh, thing for a minute too, and, the, and just piggybacking more on that Capricorn moon. I think the Capricorn moon with it being in exile is maybe a little bit of feeling uncomfortable in the body where we're not necessarily uh, feeling super good about being incarnated or uh, about uh, gen generating. When, when the moon, a planet of life, is in the house of death, it is a little bit of an awkward kind of thing, like CV was talking about with Mercury being in the house of Jupiter. Um, and one of the things I wanted to talk about with this is, so recently I've been going through uh, not just this, but a, um, I downloaded a fitness app recently um, where I count my calories because <laughs> like, getting to like 40 and you're starting to think like, oh man, I can't eat the way that I want to. Like I'm a cancer with a Taurus moon. I love food. And yeah. Tanya is here in the chat and she's very good cook and chef and um, provides really well. She has a Taurus moon too. So it's a, it's a bonding thing. But learning that where are we seeking our comfort, right? If if what we're seeking is nourishment is not uh, providing what we think it is, it, you know, seeing the corruption behind it potentially, I think it's not that we weren't eating healthy. It's just that I was just eating too much. You know, it's now as your, your metabolism slows down, portion control. And I think this might be a theme with this moon too. And I'm curious if all of you have had some experience with this or people in the chat with maybe what you thought was nurturing you is there's something that is being exposed like like venus going into the underworld and, and coming face to face with the corruption of arash kagal and I, I think of pluto as the clogged toilet planet like there's just something in our lives where like we've ignored it to the point where the the the, you know, the whole toilet's gonna if you keep flushing it it's just gonna like explode your your bathroom into this disgusting wasteland and you've got to deal with it you got to plunger your life so i'll toss that back out to to the two of you cb what do you think oh wait you're leaving me on the plunger <laughs> yeah yeah i'll give you i'll give you the plunger of life here I give Claire the easy questions. You get the plunger like, questions. Get the plunger of life. I don't. Your super uh, perspective. Okay, skipping back from that. Um, where 
recently, I don't know, like, okay, so where have I been um, feeling like maybe like you're like you're eating too much and you realize you think it's comforting, but it's maybe, I think I've had this realization in uh, my moons in Gemini with like my thoughts, like literally coming to the realization that like, I have bad mental habits. Like I need to control the inner dialogue. I like, you know, try to read all the books at once and it like is not serving me. And um, so that's been a realization. I'm so fascinated just to be with the two of you, right? The Capricorn sun and the Cancer sun. Cause like, I don't know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately about, and then I think we talked about nourishment, but I feel that both of you, and I'm curious to like get your feedback. I have this really beautiful realization about Capricorns recently. Like, I think we, th we know like, you know, oh, cancer, they're, they're, I mean, I think when you and I talked about it, Spencer, it's really about like a preserving, there's something you want to preserve, whether it's a family or a lineage, or, you know, I think of like water, like, you know, milk nourishment, right. In that sense. And, and that's easy enough. But I think the people like Capricorn, you realize that like, I feel there's almost a fear in Capricorn, like this thing exists, but now I need to keep it alive. Like this realization, the death could come. And I just like, I had this really beautiful story about a, speaking of home and all of this. Like recently, a friend of mine is a Capricorn. He seems very Capricorn, like always sort of working and feeling very industrious and whatnot. But, um, you know, someone in his family um, needed help. And I realized that like, you know, he's the kind of person that suddenly like money is not an object. Like he is industrious so that he can take care of the people in his family, like large sums, it doesn't matter, literally to, to give them a home. And I and suddenly realized there's something about like that axis, it is taking care of people, right? Like there's with the Capricorn, I feel it's more of like trying to preserve your physical needs. Like cancer is the one who starts the thing, but then Capricorn is like, let me not let you die because I love you so much. So Claire, what do you think? You're the I agree. Sign. I agree 100%. Um, and actually I didn't, again, I just have to speak about Jason Hawley because his work on this, did you, are you familiar with it? Did you listen to it? I saw him talk at, at Norwalk and I've seen him talk at, not at, this. At, at UAC as well, but not on this particular topic. We, I think, yeah. what did we see him do at Norwalk CV? What was he talking about? The there? circle of animals. Thank you. Yeah. The circle of animals. Mm -hmm. He's what, a character. What? What lecture are you referencing? So I'm going to write this down. So he there. did lectures on each of the signs and he took you through like the myth of each zodiacal sign. And so he's got 12 lectures out there now. They're all in Astrology University. Nice. I think that's the website um, oh, where they have. Oh, through Astrology University. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they're, I don't remember what they are, but um, the Capricorn one, like nice. it was the first compassionate view of Capricorn that I have ever heard. And as someone with a Pisces moon, who's like, I, I am soft. What's this Capricorn business? Mm -hmm. um, it really helped put it together. But you're essentially saying one of like kind of the one of the archetypes of this is that um, the ideal of Capricorn, I think, has been lost in, you know, not to get political, but in capitalism, it's like the shadow of Capricorn. It's like, yeah. but the ancients thought, you know, Mesopotamians um, that if you're doing Capricorn right, you are building up, you're building something, you're creating something out of the abundance that you have, but you're doing it without forgetting the needs and desires of the people, that part. Yeah. So once you forget that, that's in my opinion, when everything goes to crap, and then you end up being this cold, industrious achievement monster who has self 
deprived, who has deprived themselves, um, you know, speaking of moon and Capricorn, um, Capricorn planets, self-deprivation. Depri- uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Capricorn's really good at that. I mean, the winter, that's what you do in the winter. Uh, you got to ration stuff, right? Awesome. So yeah. Contra- I, contraction, right? The contraction of yep. Saturn. But in the name of survival in the long run, because mm-hmm. every winter it's like, there are bulbs under the ground that their intention is to grow in the spring. And I think that's, that's um, Capricorn's intention as well, which is exactly what CV was saying. Like, yeah, that. And then once you kind of connect that with cancer and you see it as like this place to balance in your life, Mm -hmm. it becomes like, for me, it's very encouraging. Like, Hey, you can build stuff if you want to just don't forget to take a bath and like feed yourself Mm -hmm. and don't forget to take care of the people you love while you're doing that amazing stuff out there in the, the external world and achieving things um but it can be in the name of like long-term growth and continued achievement so i wanted to say i find it also fascinating that we have three seasons represented here on some level too you know i this is this is really cool this is a neat uh way of thinking about this i think so we have claire representing the winter solstice where we are seeing the the return of the light right where you know, you were born shortly after the winter solstice, and it's this realization that you are um, that you need to buckle down to 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 bring back the abundance, right? And to slowly inch your way up from the bottom to wherever you're going to get. I, my daughter's a Capricorn sun too, and she's very much like that. Like she's had a little bit of a rough go in the beginning of her life in some areas, but I can see her just like she she's known what she's wanted to do for like a long time and she's just going to keep on going, you know? And with like the the cancer opposite thing, you've reached that peak moment. You've reached the the height of the sun's energy and you're starting to descend. And and that's the nostalgia, that's the trying the preservation energy where you're saying, how can I maintain the zenith of this abundance, right? How can I That's what we're doing as a country. We're saying, how can we maintain the zenith of our of our abundance, no matter what it took to get it? Now, now that that's the shadow side of it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the um, th- that is such a good metaphor for cancer because cancer, like I was saying, it's not only are we providing, what are we consuming to gain that which we are that nurturing and that sustenance that we're giving? And in America's case, and I don't want to be too controversial here, but I don't think this is like a secret, we've exploited other countries and we've, we've sent our military into other countries and changed their, their, uh, their form of government, sometimes forcefully, so that we can have abundance here in this country. And that's the shadow side of, of like, like you were talking about, the manipulation that might take place to create this, this feeling of you know, maintaining beauty, this feeling of maintaining this abundance, this uh, this glory of summer and, you know, and CB you're representing the spring of the things coming, you know, really this hope, you know? And I think that, uh, to, to me, this really, I'm trying to work out my thoughts on here cause I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get like that. <laughs> yeah, so, what, blame my retrograde mercury in the 12th, but I, sometimes I have to think about things before I say it. Um, I think that one of the things I've talked about on this channel quite a bit is that we have to get comfortable with decay. We have to get comfortable with 
with death in this country and in this world. Uh, and Tanya says, oh, girl, let's go there, <laughs> all capitals. Capitalism and the commodification of the Capricorn persona. I feel that a great deal. She's a Capricorn rising. Uh, when society is structured so that it's always winter and you can never stop. Okay, I almost think that they feel like it's always summer and we're trying to preserve this abundance, but maybe that there, it's two sides of the same coin, right? Like we think that, oh, we never have enough. We never have enough. That might be the, the winter persona. And where cancer saying, oh, isn't it so great? Let's go back to this glory moment that may or may not have existed. And we'll do whatever it takes. We'll, we'll shun whoever. We'll, we'll hide ourselves in this little isolationist bubble, right? So that we don't have to interact with other countries. It's amazing. I've, I've been making friends with a lot of people internationally lately. Uh, CV and I have, have, have been talking to some really beautiful people at all, all corners of the world in some places that are sort of uh, unstable right now. And um, just the, the things we take for granted here, just stability that we could go out and like go to the store and not have to worry about like, you know, for the most part, you know, not experiencing violence or something like that. Now that is not true necessarily for everyone. And I want to acknowledge that like it's, but as, as a whole, there are more unstable places of the world. And I think that, I don't know, it's just really eye-opening to see that how, how we are not thinking as internationally and that reflecting that cancer energy of like staying within that womb, within that cocoon, within that shell. And I will say, I feel it personally as far as like, oh, I don't know, I'm a little scared to go outside of the house. <laughs> like, you know? But we have to get over it, don't we? And we have to be brave and we have to go and, and engage with things that sometimes make us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that might be part of this full moon too, is getting outside of your comfort zone and exploring a little bit. Like we're doing here today, we're getting outside the comfort zone. We're going, you know, including more nations in the conversation, which is great. What do y'all think about that? Um, <laughs> I look distracted because I was trying to pull up. Um, I suddenly thought about Michael Luton's Horoscope USA and um, something in there he says, and I'm trying to find the exact quote, but something about like the, our cancer rising nation that will bomb a country one day and then drop sandwiches the next. I was thinking about that Capricorn cancer axis. Totally. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the thought I drop with you, is I. Totally. Mm -hmm. uh, Jewel says Capricorns can be tough to make sure, uh, can be tough to make sure they and their loved ones survive, no matter what. Like those crazy goats who climb walls in the mountains, Capricorn is called Steinbach in German, which is Ibex. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Naturally Amplified is here. Hello. Uh, there are many good father archetypes that encompass Capricorn and cancer myths as well. Mm -hmm. If we would spend a moment embracing the Capricorn patriarchy, patriarchy that is living, caring, and have that conversation. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm trying to parse that out. I will say on that note, Capricorn, there is a story about Precus, who was a sea goat. And mm -hmm. basically Precus was uh, witnessing his sea goat children, half fish, half goat, leaving and going onto the shore. 
and losing their ability to think and to speak, turning into regular goats, because the sea was this like source of inspiration, of energy, of spiritual essence. And he kept, he had, he was a son of Kronos. He was a son of Saturn and he had the ability to turn back time and he kept turning back time and he turning back time and trying getting his children to come back into the ocean. And every time they would keep leaving and every time, no matter what he did, they would keep leaving the ocean until finally he was alone and he had to accept that loneliness on some level. And he finally begged his father Kronos to allow him to die and he granted that wish and put him into the stars as a constellation and it's it's a little sad but that's i think so that, sad but that's appropriate right well it's that same like I, I think that that desire to turn back time is inherent in both of these signs you know trying to preserve the the abundance yeah. of summer but also longing for this other time in capricorn as well i think it's very similar well, there's that appreciation for the past and old things. And um, certainly that part about being connected with the waters, we'll just call them the waters with a capital W um, and having that be like part of a functional, functional, whatever that means, Capricorn. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think both signs tend to construct barriers to protect some something, whether it's a sensitivity or whether it's to protect something physical. I know that, um, you know, when Saturn was in Capricorn, uh, we, there was all the talk about build the wall, build the wall, you know, and like all this, these walls. And I, I, I tend to think of Saturn as building walls and, and the Capricorn version of Saturn being to keep things in, right? And then Aquarius is sort of what's everything that's outside of the wall, everything that has been cast into exile. Um, and there's some differences too. I've been really enjoying this book, A Tiny Universe, where they talk about Saturn and Aquarius as the glass ceiling, where it's the ideas that you can't transgress, right? Like saying, oh, well, it, you can see visually that it's attainable on some level, but then there's this maybe this fear, or this narrative that's being constructed that keeps people from, from trying to go past a certain boundary. I thought that was an interesting way to think about it too. All right, a couple comments here. Uh, Naturally Amplified is clarifying, saying all patriarchs are not seeking power. There are loving masculine elements. Okay, yeah, we can get in touch with some of the um, masculine elements in the world. Uh, now they say, I think of mothers as, as mothers of sons. We need to focus on the good elements of what patriarchs can be under the moon. Um, so like not toxic masculinity, essentially. I don't know if that's kind of where they're going with that is just not doing toxic masculinity. That's always a good thing, right? Yeah, I think so. Yay. <laughs> Tanya says, yes, there is an unrepresented, healthy, masculine, fatherly archetype that I don't think we even see much of the time. Okay. Yeah. So what does a healthy father look like if we think about a, a traditional role, right? maybe a boundary setter, right? Maybe somebody who is saying no, and but for a reason. And I think that Saturn is definitely a no. There is a no that comes into place saying this is the boundary and, but it's for a reason. It's like grabbing the toddler from, from running into the street type of thing. And we have to be careful because we don't wanna necessarily, we're not thinking about this in, um, gender roles this was just like i don't know help me out here how how do can we think about this in a in a 
an archetype. Yes, in an archetypal fashion uh, that takes into account the the way of thinking about things in, that is not necessarily uh, binary. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, these things are, if only they were so simple. <laughs> it's just, yeah, these archetypes are complicated. They take many forms, depends on where you live in the world. But yeah, certainly there are going to be more skillful and less skillful ways of, um, of manifesting, of embodying the various polarities that we find in the Zodiac, whether you want to call them gendered names or call them passive, um, active, day, night, yin, yang, all these things. Yin and There's yang, skillful like and unskillful ways to do all of it. Right, totally. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've covered, I think we covered cancer pretty well with the sun there. Um, we've, we've examined the Capricorn moon um, We've talked a little bit about the daimon, the gates of life and death. Let's talk a little bit about how this might play out throughout the cycle. So here we have the the full moon, but I wanted to go to the quarter moon that we're going to be seeing, usually a crisis point. We're going to see the last quarter moon on July the 1st. Mm-hmm. So we're at the square between the sun and the moon at about 10 degrees of Cancer and Aries respectively. So right about here. Okay. And um, CV, what do you what do you have? uh, What do you have for this? What are you thinking about this, this dichotomy of energies and the the tension we might feel or the or the potential existential crisis we may be running up against? Wow. I mean, I keep thinking about right, like, so this Cancer Sun, I keep thinking of this backdrop of just like processing everything, right? Like when I think of nostalgia, even in this current moment, I think of like this, this, we're at this moment right now where people are, we're we're re-entering society. And so there's this like loaded sense of like, where is time? Like almost a weird nostalgia for the past, like 13 months when we've created these little homes that now we're like stepping out of. So there's, I feel like that stuff is coming to be processed. And at the same time, right? Like, look at like this Mars Saturn opposition. It's like this need to like, right? Like, I feel like this energy to do something and then Saturn's like, no. So I feel like to me, and maybe again, I'm very sensitive because I'm a Leo rising. It feels there's this like crisis point in the sky, right? And then Uranus is in the story too. But then suddenly it like, it gets this like depth, like there's this musical, like cancer, just making it feel so personal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Especially the last part with cancer, just making it all personal. Yeah. 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 Because this quarter moon is going to be, we've got the moon in a Mars ruled sign and check out what Mars is doing on that day. It's in a, exact opposition to Saturn. So this the Mars-Saturn opposition is going to be perfecting right at the same time that that quarter moon is going to be coming to term. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, I wrote some notes down, nurturing versus our independence and our own sovereignty. I think that the if we look at the cards with this, we've got the three of wands coming into contact with the three of cups. So we've got this celebratory energy where we might want to be, you know, having these 
parties or something like that, or, or like seeking that nurturing and that abundance, but it's coming into contact with this energy of trying to, I see Aries as trying to create in independence and I like that word sovereignty. Um, it's just a establishing your own territory. You know, that was kind of the, one of the things that they were talking about with, um, oh geez, what was the word that they were discussing in Austin's book? Dom dominion was the word. Okay. So like if you're, you're, a, I don't know if you were establishing a territory, you were establishing your own dominion. And I think that this could be the tension between, you know, being part of a group and being part of a nurturing community or part of a nurturing family, and also trying to fight for our own individual voice within that group, or if, if it becomes too toxic to rely on the group too heavily, if that makes sense. Um, and I think we see that reflected with Mars and in, in Leo, trying to establish uh, authenticity and identity and Saturn asking for um, a need to see the big picture and a need to see that your actions don't just fit into one individual thing. They have an effect on your other family members. They have an effect on your community. They have an effect on your country people, you know, your global community, your universal community. Um, what do you all think about that Mars-Saturn opposition? Help me break that down here. What, Claire, what do you think? Mars-Saturn opposition. I mean, certainly the I want to do the thing and I'm feeling super passionate about it because it's Leo and Venus is also here with me. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Saturnian no. Uh, and that's probably based on what's going on in larger society because Aquarius, I would think. Um, and then, you know, Uranus is there, T-squaring it up, adding more, I guess, volatility. Maybe that's a good word for it, volatile. Um but yeah, certainly it looks frustrating and it looks like uh, disappointment may be in order for some of us uh, or just, you know, if you need to express yourself, do so in a way that doesn't take anything from anyone else. I like that. Yeah. CV, anything to uh, add? I'm still like sort of thinking about uh, everything you said and like what comes next that um the moon would is in the second decan of aries is that's the is that the sun ruled decan mm -hmm. yes yeah so it's interesting too that like the sun is ruling where that mars is but then also the, the just thinking about that like again thinking about because the sun and cancer right then ruling in some sense the 10th but then also that second decan and thinking about like that conversation that you just said of like wanting to do the thing Venus is there and then Saturn saying no and maybe even like having to take like a step back to really reflect and go to that place like maybe the disappointment leads you to sort of like spend some time in those Cancerian waters does that make sense help me further unpack that yeah and 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 I I can't help but think about Jupiter's impending retrograde back into Aquarius a few weeks later, you know, so, you know, I've, I've, I don't know, I've been trying to pay some attention as to get my finger on the pulse of what people are doing outside my house since I'm not really yeah. <laughs> there physically. Yeah. Um, but just seeing a lot of people are, uh, you know, especially I have friends in Chicago that have been getting together and they're like, oh my God, 
people are just off the chain. They've been cooped up for so long that it's this like freedom. We, we are just embracing it and going kind of whole hog with it. Uh, and I just wonder if there's some kind of repercussion that may be coming with that, because I think that mm, I tend to desire balance and equilibrium. And I think that when we, when we shift these, the hourglass too quickly, um, it can be a little bit destabilizing rather than gradually going to, you know, the middle point. And I think that we've been in such an extreme circumstance for so long that we're just, when we didn't have to be in it, we're just like ah, raging against the dying of the light. <laughs> I just can't help but think that there's just going to be something that comes up where we've been dreaming really big lately that where it's just a reality check where it's saying you're going to have to work with the quality of time you're going to have to work with the quality of patience and you're going to have to bring in some of those those healthy limits once again um, so that you're not i don't know creating a destructive atmosphere okay let's go just touch briefly on the what we're building towards here with this the next new moon and i'll do another live stream for this but we'll talk about it a little bit today so we're going to be moving towards this new moon in the second decan of cancer uh and it's going to be opposite pluto not super close but you know by whole sign aspect and that's the i think that's really the beginning when we're i think we'll, we'll get come to terms with how we want to cultivate our private gardens i think that austin Kopic talks about this decan is the walled garden and uh, hot house flowers and uh, this is actually the decan of my son and uh, i can definitely attest to that energy i'm a eccentric kind of quirky person that thrives in a certain environment yeah. and if i'm asked to be outside of that kind of environment i feel really really nervous um, and it's been something i've had to work on to get outside of my own comfort zone even if it's just physical like just going outside and doing things like that and not being a total hermetic recluse um, but i definitely feel that and and i i, I think that that might be what we're going to be looking at here uh, with this new moon at the end at the middle of july which happens two days after my birthday so <laughs> we'll see how that works out we'll have to have a new moon uh Spencer's birthday party <laughs> live stream. <laughs> we'll see how yeah. that works. Any thoughts on that new moon? Anything you're noticing in there? I mean, I'm really excited for a lunation in Cancer that is not as like it's an aversion with Mars. That's nice. It's an aversion with Saturn. That looks nice. I'll take it. I'll take it. Sold. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm. I'm with you. I'm not seeing anything super crazy with this one. It, it looks like after the tension of the Mars-Saturn uh, opposition starts to wane, we'll be able to find where what we want to infuse into a body to really be like, okay, this is really what is possible. This is what we want to nurture to move forward and do that in a healthy way. Okay, so one more thing that we've got here. This has been great. How are you all doing? You hanging in there? Yeah, I like that you said infuse into a body. It just makes me think of like, all the like carnage of the poop that happens before and we have to somehow it's like reincarnation time oh, totally <laughs> totally um i'm just looking at the chat box here checking in yeah 
uh, naturally amplified is talking about the cardinal axis, which is self, other, society, and family. Okay, get some more clarification on the, the previous comments. Top-notch vintage says, I think there is a desire and impulse to initiate a new home slash tribe with Saturn saying, hold on, you need to do it in a new way for the benefit of all. Yes, I like yeah. that. Totally. We, we are definitely being asked to take into consideration how our actions affect other people. And I think that the pandemic showed us that in a, in a really um, poignant way that what we do we are not these tiny little islands, even if we felt like it during the pandemic, our actions did have an effect on others. And we do have to take the collective good into account. Um, and it might conflict with our, our own personal desires. Um, but I think that with that Jupiter Saturn conjunction in Aquarius over the last solstice here, uh, in the winter solstice, excuse me, that's going to be part of what we're moving towards long term. This is a long-term thing. And I see this with climate change and I've got friends on the West Coast where they're literally sizzling and frying in 115 to 120 degree temperatures uh, for an extended period of time. And um, I think that that's gonna be a theme that's gonna come up more in the future as we move forward. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to do and see your reflections on this is I like to do an I Ching reading. Actually, actually, don't let me forget this again. You almost let me forget again, CV. So before, yeah, exactly. Before before I get to the I Ching reading, I like to. So I'm a fairly interdisciplinary divinatory uh, person. Um, blame my Venus and Gemini. Uh, <laughs> but um, I pulled an animal for this this show yeah, and this talk and and i pulled the camel and my my good uh friend my partner in crime tanya has had this ritual of uh putting little notes in my daughter's lunchbox on wednesdays which is affectionately known as hump day uh, and they're camel facts, <laughs> you know? so she has a compendium of camel facts that I, I wanted to share the last live stream we were doing because I actually pulled this animal for the new moon in Gemini as well. So this theme, I think that this theme is coming back around. It's like saying, okay, hey, we've got to camel it up here. So I'm going to stop my share for a second and I'm going to, to show you some, I'm going to read to you some camel facts. All right. <laughs> we'll see. And Tanya can chime in on the, the, the uh, chat if she wants here. It says that these are all Tanya's words. They have a thick layer of skin on their feet and stomach that allows them to lie down and sleep on the sand that is so hot it would injure other types of animals. They can eat thorns because they have tough, leathery skin inside their lips and mouths. They have double layers of eyelashes and can close their nostrils to block out sand. I am so jealous already. <laughs> <laughs> the humps on their back are not water, but fat stores that they break down for calories and hydration when there's no food or water. Interesting. They have oval-shaped blood cells that can withstand levels of dehydration that kill other creatures. Basically, they're hyper-adapted to some of the most inhospitable climates on Earth, and they can live 50 years. 
When they do find water, they can drink over 50 gallons in three minutes, which would also kill other types of animals, but their blood cells and tissues can withstand extreme fluctuations in hydration levels. Their body temperatures can range from 93 to 104 degrees with no ill effects. And, and just to, to uh, get Tanya's summary of these thoughts from this eclipse, um, says things are about to get really inhospitable and unpredictable. This is a time to be like a camel and drink all the water you can while you have a chance. Jupiter is about to roll back out of Pisces real soon and take all the life-giving water with it. Connection, ease, good feelings, hope. This may be a time to fortify ourselves and find how to toughen our hides, work with less than we'd like, and become weird-looking but unkillable. <laughs> I love it. That's so beautiful. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I we're at the oasis. We're camels at the oasis. And then when Pisces leaves, we're back to the desert. <laughs> Amazing. She says, I think about camels a lot. <laughs> oh, my thank you. I want to hear Tanya's astrological comments, comments all the time now. Right. It's like, yeah. Wow. Well, Tanya has, uh, she has Mercury in the first house in a, um, mutual reception with Saturn in the ninth in Virgo. So nice. she has a way with words. She creates her own language at some point, um, but very, very good with these types of things. Um, Top Notch is saying, so they can drink from the fire hose, Spencer? Yeah, that's a running joke on our, <laughs> our podcast here is, uh, you know, drinking from the fire hose like that movie UHF. <laughs> um, and interestingly enough, thank you for pointing that out, Top Notch. Mercury is stationing direct right on the fixed star Rigel, which is what I reference when I'm talking about the drinking from the fire hose of information. <laughs> Rigel is the foot in the waters of the Eurydonis, the river of the Eurydonis. So Orion's foot was in those waters. And I just, I experienced that as like sitting on the little chair and having the fire hose just <laughs> blowing me off the chair with information and then trying to make sense of it all. Um, so Dimphy says over here, my daughter and I have started finding a new way since her father and my best friend and my best friend passed the 21st of May. Oh, I'm sorry, Dimphy, to hear that. I bet that was making this Father's Day a very difficult one. Um, fortunately, the two of us could spend and look after him since the April 1st when we found out he was terminally ill. Yeah. Dimphy, what is your ascendant? Are you do you share your ascendant? I'm curious if you're getting that um, fixed cross energy that we were talking about. So we'll we'll see. Dimphy is a friend of ours from uh, the Netherlands, I believe. We have quite an international crowd here. Um, but sorry to hear that. I know a, a lot of people are going through some very tough times right now. And I, I like what Tanya was saying about the camel's a survivor. You know, I mean, it's it, it's really adapted to some of the, the harshest, most nasty type of environments. Um, Dimphy says that they are a Gemini ascendant. Okay, so you were having a Gemini Mercury retrograde in the first two. Um, yeah, sorry to hear that, Dimphy. I, I, I wish I had some more words of, of, of comfort for you. Sun, Virgo, Moon, Pisces, so very mutable. Um, yeah, I think that with with uh, the camel, right? We we just have these circumstances. We we have to make the best of it. I think that 
something we've been talking about in our household is toughening our, our getting a little bit thicker skin and toughening our hide a little bit. I'm pretty sensitive and I, I don't really deal very well with criticism. <laughs> so I, I'm trying to get tougher about that and, and um, you know, humble myself, like you were saying, Claire, at the beginning of this, bringing it full circle. And uh, I think that if we want, here's, here's a, I think the, the tying the bow on it. If we want to achieve the Capricorn building, if we want to achieve that, that, um, that castle that we're trying to build, that security, we do have to toughen up a little bit. We do have to like realize that there's going to be setbacks. We have to realize that it's going to take time, that we do have to have patience and that there are going to be disappointments along the way. And, you know, listening to your interview with Chris, Claire, I can see, could hear some of the pain in your voice about mm. uh, having maybe not the acceptance of your peers with going out into this new journey. And mm -hmm. I really applaud you for your camel-like resilience. Thank um, you. <laughs> you know, really, truly, because it is a difficult thing to do. And you're coming from an environment that is so almost the antithesis of what we're trying to do. It's not really, but people think that, that it is. Mm -hmm. And it takes enormous courage, fortitude, and strength to be able to, to take that leap and to be your true authentic self. And from us to Leo Risings here, CV, which I think we are really, we really try to embrace the, the journey of authenticity. I think that's a secret esoteric meaning of Leo is just be the true authentic self. And as a Aquarius rising, it's really, uh, it's fascinating to see you go on that journey of authenticity in your own way. And mm -hmm. so I just, I wanted to say that I wanted to congratulate you on that. Thank you. And, um, my, uh, my progressed son is exactly on my ascendant, like right now. So I don't have a choice. I don't think, but thank you so much. It's, it's really nice to hear that. Cause I, I haven't. So thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. It's been, it's been rough. I'm, I'm tired of being a camel. I would like to be something else now. <laughs> Well, but we, can, uh, we can, I think we'll get a respite uh, maybe towards, I think the, the middle of July, end of July. I think that there may be some, uh, hopefully maybe we'll get past that opposition. Although we will lose some of that good Jupiter oceanic consciousness, dreamy energy. Um, so the last thing that I wanted to do here, and um, this is something I like to do on the show and I'm going to, Share my screen for a minute because I want to draw it. While you do that, may I point something out? Yeah, go ahead, please. I just wanted to share this moment since we're talking about Capricorn and specifically your Capricorn energy, Claire. Going back to earlier in this conversation when you were talking about your research methods, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I forgot, but somebody asked about it. And I just, to me, this was such like a beautiful Capricorn quality because you were like, okay, if you're going to use the scientific lens, you have to make sure you're, it felt so Saturn. Like you have to make sure you're doing it correctly. You have to have a clear lens. You need this many people and this, 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 and it felt so Saturn Capricorn of like, you need to do it like this. But then it was like, why, why are you doing this? Because you care because you're like, because I love astrology and I love this. And this is how I preserve this thing. 
that was such a beautiful Capricorn moment. Thank you. Yeah. And like the prag, thank you so much for seeing that. And then the pragmatism of like, yeah, you can do it. I don't care what you do. You know, you can do whatever you want. You know, okay. if you want to build that, I support you in building it, but here's the right hammer. <laughs> like, exactly. so you can do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I like to think of Saturn sometimes like a, like a loving stern grandmother kind of like, that's the vibe I like. I love that. I love that. Just piggybacking off of that, my my Capricorn daughter uh, has been a loving, stern grandmother since she was like four years old. <laughs> <laughs> like her favorite show. I, I want. Can you all guess what her favorite show it was when she was a child? And it's vintage. No. No idea. The Golden Girls. Like that was her. First. She's like, let's watch the Golden Girls all the time, which is the epitome of loving grandmothers. She's like, all right, let's just. No, I watch the Golden Girls. You know, like great. <laughs> just not a bad choice. It's hilarious. Um, okay, just a few more comments flying in here. Uh, we have a lot of condolences for Dimphy. A lot of support from the chat for for their loss. So we're with you, Dimphy. Um, Top Notch says Nietzsche describes the camel spirit as a collector of burdens, conquests, and scars. The camel asks, what is heaviest that I may take it upon me and rejoice in my strength? Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. That talk, I think that speaks really well to maybe Saturn's ultimate goal on some level. Um, Tanya gives us one more fact that camels can carry up to 900 pounds. As a third Deccan Sagittarius, she can relate. Yeah, that's the Ten of Wands card, right? <laughs> She's definitely carries some heavy burdens for sure. Um, Jules says, I have a lot of mutable placements. I wish I could do both scientific research and astrology. Saturn does not let me though. Well, I, there's you there's wiggle it. room. I believe in you. You can yeah. get um, good re Tanya says, good research is harder to find than people realize. I agree with yes, that. So true, Tanya, says Jules. And Tanya also says she has Betty White's birthday. Yeah, my daughter has the same birthday as Betty White. So she is already the loving grandmother. Leslie Friel says, I'm a Capricorn moon and ascendant who also loves the Golden Girls as a child. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and I'm here for the stern grandmother analogy, right? Okay. I love this. I love this. So we're getting getting to that core, that core essence, I think, here. Um, so what I drew on the screen here was the hexagram number 25. I, I like to do a, an I Ching reading for every um, every kind of video that I do here, every lunation and, and you know the month or whatever we're going to do. And I got this without changing lines. 25 is called innocence. Other names for it are called without expectations, without guile, acting naturally, being spontaneous, the unexpected, disentanglement. So freeing yourself from negative patterns, acting from the heart and not necessarily for profit. This was a theme that was coming up. One of the quotes, uh, the oracle quotes says, innocence, supreme success. It is beneficial to persevere. If one is not what one should be, he meets with calamity. And it is not beneficial for him to undertake anything. So, that, so I wanted to to talk about this with all of you. Twenty five, the the I Ching's experience of innocence is not necessarily like a, a 
like a Christian sin innocence type of thing. It, it is more about being genuine and sincere. Um, it's more about un, uh, being unaffected and and authentic and not using this like not striving for something if that makes sense. Uh, doing like doing the right thing without expectations of some kind of reward. And I think that this is this really does echo this full moon very well because as a cancer son, I think that one of the things that I've been tasked to do is to come into alignment with the flow of life as a crab can go forward, backwards, sideways, and having to make adjustments being on the border of the ocean and the, the land. You're, you're a prey for a lot of things. That's why the danger element is so heightened in Cancerians. We're very aware of what is going on in our environment because, you know, metaphorically we're, we're prey animals because we're so squishy. We're so squishy and sensitive. You could, you could see that in my, you know, I, I see a baby skunk and I've turned into a puddle <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> like, oh, baby. No, stinky baby. Don't get eaten by that dog. <laughs> you know? but, but, but I think that we're, I think that this, we may feel like we have to have a plan, right? With Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And I think that Capricorn is a planner and that energy is about planning and about taking genuine, consistent steps towards a goal on some level as well. Um, but I'm hearing from what the I Ching is saying that, that we need to let go of control more, more so in this lunation um, without trying to be something that we're not necessarily and without like going into things with preconceived notions about how things are going to turn out. So I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your feedback on, on that I Ching reading. That sounds nice. I like that. We should do that. I wanted, that's kind of, it sounds like my goal to be that way, like all the time, but it's just very difficult for me to loosen my grip um, on everything. But yeah, certainly accepting that, like not tying yourself to the outcome, being unadulterated, being um, unrehearsed, like you can almost can't help but be genuine when you do those things, which I think is good. I don't think that's a bad thing. Totally. CV. It made coming back. It made me think about this idea of um, Capricorn feeling this sort of fear of death and this need to sort of hold on to preserve, and maybe where the moon is right, like wherever Capricorn is in your chart, it's this um, showing you where like you may not have control right that like you just have to sort of um like you said ha have that sort of authentic sort of do it for the right reasons and you know um kind of take a um i'm gonna say um a release that makes sense yeah yeah and and just speaking towards letting go of control cancer um being ruled by the moon remember the moon was the planet of fortune right? It was the planet of 2K. And yeah. it was the planet of like, hey, you know, you're going to have to surrender <laughs> on some level <laughs> to things that that aren't necessarily through your solar type of agency, right? Because yeah. we could say the diamond or spirit being of the nature of the sun where it's like, okay, I want I have an awareness of this, I want to move towards it. But this the moon is more about like, okay, you're gonna have to make adjustments to circumstance. And things like that. So I think keeping that in mind as we move forward is going to be important with this lunation. Um, a couple of final comments here, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Dimphy says, "I'm becoming a golden girl myself." Well, Dimphy, we applaud your 
your resilience and hopefully you can be the the grandma that we all need um tanya says cheesecake all around yes <laughs> no no cheesecake that's too many calories Tanya. i, I have a very specific amount that i can eat now <laughs> jewel says do you know granny weatherwax a terry pratchett character she is my total role model and very capricornian i feel I am not familiar with Granny Weatherwax. Uh, we'll have to look that one up. And, and <laughs> anyone else know Granny Weatherwax? No, we. Sorry, sorry, Jules, but we'll we'll do some homework. We'll do our research, and then <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. Okay. Well, this has been wonderful, my friends. Um, thank you so much for hanging out today. Uh, if you are, uh, well, let's let's Claire. Let's start with you. Where can we find you and what kind of things do you have in the hopper coming up? Yeah, thank you. Um, every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, uh, IG Live, I do an hour of just kind of like this, but very unrehearsed, <laughs> very authentic. Um, and I just call it office hours. So if you have astrology questions, you can come there every Tuesday, 7 p.m. CST. Um, otherwise, I'm just doing consults. I've been really focusing on my practice uh, and doing consults with clients. So if you want to be a client, you can visit my website, which is at www.aligninglightastrology.com. And I'm Aligning Light Astrology, Dr. Claire Moon, pretty much everywhere on the internet. Perfect. Thank you. And CV, where can we find you and what do you got going on? Um, same. Um, consultations. Uh, I, oh, I read a blog for Supernatural Lingerie. I'm thinking of that because I'm about to put cancer out, um, which is a really fun lingerie shop, but I'm art of the Zodiac on the internet, art of the Zodiac, um, spaces on Instagram.co.com. Um, I sometimes make a pot carry. It's fun. I chat with Spencer. I'm totally humbled and grateful to finally chat with you, um, Claire. And I'm same. We'll make your office hours. I'm so excited for this. They're fun. I've Thanks. I've participated in her office hours, and it is uh, it is definitely a good experience. And she knows her stuff. That's why I've been inviting them on the show here, so that that uh, we get to share your wisdom, Claire, with with uh, a new audience. Thanks, um, y'all. Byob. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, also, if you are, uh, thank you to everyone that that showed up in the chat today. Uh, so really appreciate all of your comments and your participation. I'm, I'm going to try to keep doing these new and full moon live streams. I do want to tell you that there is a astrology of July that is coming up on Friday, and I will be having another special guest, uh, Ms. Shu Yap, which who is an Austra Australian aust astrologer. <laughs> That's hard to say. She's an astrologer from Australia, and she's awesome. <laughs> it's very auspicious. <laughs> she, she's wonderful. And uh, so she'll be joining me to break down July. So tune in at 6.30 p.m. on Friday evening Eastern time. Um, and <clears throat> if you are enjoying these, these live streams, make sure that you are hitting that like button. That really helps us with the algorithm. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, all of us do readings here. Support, support us through readings. That's a great way to support your local astrologer. And you don't have to get just one reading. You can get a lot of insight by, by you know, getting a reading from different people at different points in your life and getting that new perspective. That's something that I think is really beneficial. And there's a lot of talent that we have just even in this, in this room. It's really, really exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, everyone out there, hang in there. 
you know, like be kind to yourself. This is a kind of what we like to say here. Be kind to yourself, be kind to one another. And um, I guess we'll see you all the next time. So thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, CV. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Right. Thanks Take for being care, here. Take care, everyone. We'll see you the next time.